0: Welcome to the latest edition of the OmniTalk Retail Ask an Expert series, coming to you this fine Wednesday afternoon in August. I am your host, Chris Walton.
1: And I'm Anne Mazenka.
0: And we are the founders of OmniTalk Retail, the fast-growing retail media outlet that is all about the companies, the technologies, and the people that are coming together to shape the future of retail. Or as we like to say, Anne, the media organization that focuses on tomorrow, today. Today, we're turning our attention to one of the topics du jour in retail right now, and that is supply chain joining us to share their expertise are Microsoft's Director of Retail and Consumer Insights Paula Beckel and Blue Yonder's Corporate VP of Global Retail Industry Strategies Shannon Wu Lebron two women who clearly know what conversations around supply chain are happening within the boardrooms of many a retailer Paula Shannon welcome to the show and thanks for joining us today
2: Thanks for having us Yeah thank you
3: for having us
0: Yes it's great you guys I mean you guys are you guys are two aficionados on this subject so um, Shannon, uh, Blue, Blue Yonder particularly, you guys are in the, the supply chain management space. Microsoft, Paula, you guys are always helping out retailers across the entire landscape. Uh, and before we get into our discussion with both of you today, uh, I just want to make a quick reminder for those watching the early release of this interview right now on LinkedIn, Feel free to ask your questions of any of us at any time via the chat session window on the right-hand side of your screen.
1: Yes. Well, I want to get started before we get into the supply chain topics that people are here to listen to. Um, let's hear a little bit about each of your backgrounds so that we can understand you know, why you're here with us talking about, about these
2: today. Um, let's start with you, Paula. Great. Well, Paula Beckel, I'm a retail and consumer goods industry executive longer title than it needs to be. <laughs> what that really means is, so I've been with Microsoft for the past almost three years. And prior to joining Microsoft, I worked in retail for over two decades. Most of that experience and time came working for Target Corporation, which is probably near and dear to both of your hearts, so yeah, a little experience yes, that we've shared. And my experience was primarily in merchandising, e-commerce, and marketing. And during that almost 15 plus years uh, that I worked there, spent a lot of time experiencing everything I thought across the board in retail, uh, supply chain included. So this is something that's super you know, exciting for me to share on. My role at Microsoft today, I work with retailers across the US doing exactly what you just described, helping our customers to really understand and find ways to solve their problems. And supply chain is top of mind. So I'm excited to be part of this conversation today.
0: Yeah, Paul, I mean, you were, you were kind of the genesis for this conversation. I remember you and I were talking a few months ago. We we're like, let's talk about the things that are really on the minds of retail executives in those boardrooms as you're having those conversations. And supply chain was top of mind. So yeah, that's great. I'm glad we're doing this.
1: All right, Shannon, I want to hear your background.
3: Yeah, as Chris mentioned, I'm part of Blue Yonder's global retail industry team. Blue Yonder is a global supply chain and omni-channel commerce fulfillment company. Supply chain is really at the center of what we do. My personal background has been mostly in retail and consumer goods industries. I started on the retailer side, just like Paula, then moved into a technology provider role, focusing on leveraging cloud-based SaaS software to enhance and improve business capabilities. Prior to joining BlueYonder, I worked in several other large software and consulting firms as uh, industry strategy lead, serving the retail industry.
0: Awesome. So you're also a cloud expert in some ways, too, which is an important part of this conversation. <laughs> Am I right, Shannon? Yes, that's right. Yeah, thinking in the cloud. Okay, I love it. Uh, all right, Paul, let's start with this. You, know, you said something that was really interesting to me in preparation for this interview that I, th- that I thought would be a good table set for our discussion today. Um, you mentioned that one of the things on the minds of supply chain executives right now in their role is actually the role of the supply chain organization within the overall organization itself which I thought was fascinating to think about. So what did you mean by that when you said that to us?
2: Well, you know, as I mentioned, I've spent a long time in retail and specifically thinking about my roles in either merchandising, the e-commerce and marketing space. I always thought of supply chain, and so do many of my peers, as part of the operations, the partnership that I needed to make sure that I could hit my P&L. What we were seeing the last few years in that it is more than just a cost center or part of the operation structure of an organization. It's really accountable for driving overall revenue top line, as well as mitigating costs. And that's a big shift, I think, in the mindset of retailers today. Um, You know, if you think about the fact that it becomes, consumers have a lot of choices. They have a lot of choices where they can shop and they're gonna go where they can get the product. And if you don't have a really top-of-line supply chain operation that is helping drive that consumer choice, you're going to lose those top-line sales. And so what we're seeing more and more of is that retailers are thinking about this capability, they're investing in it, and they're really driving it forward to make sure that they've got best in class, which ultimately leads to consumer loyalty. If I know I can get my product every time when I choose a retailer – Supply chain just helped influence that buying decision, right. and that becomes more of a business driver slash loyalty maker for the retailer.
0: Got it. So, 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 am I to interpret then, as you're saying that there's there's much more of a connection here between probably the marketing arms of the organization, the loyalty driving metrics that one typically uh, tracks and watches within the organization that are being more intimately tied to the supply chain organization. You're see, you're seeing retail organizations go in that direction Paula?
2: Yeah absolutely you know it's become the fact about before it was like how do we reduce costs how do we take costs out and that became more of the operations and now it's exactly what you just described there's so much opportunity to drive your overall business model when you actually invest in such a way with those desired outcomes. Mm-hmm.
0: Shannon, what what color would you add to, to what Paula just said? I'm curious from your lens where you sit as a software provider that, you know, helps with a lot of these, you know, optimizing a lot of the decisions that are made within the supply chain organization. How do you think about what Paula just said?
3: Yeah, I agree with everything Paula said. Supply chain is now really viewed as mission critical. It's directly linked to consumer experience, revenue generating, and even has a huge impact to our overall economy and the national infrastructure. Supply chain, what we're seeing is that supply chain is no longer the sole responsibility of supply chain executives. It's really top of mind for all the CEOs and it's on the CEO agenda and maybe even the board of directors. Mm-hmm.
0: Is that new, Shannon? Like cause you have a lot of experience in this space. Like, is that something relatively new? Or we were we starting to see that pre-pandemic, or was it really just kind of below the waters and the pandemic made that happen? Like how would you Explain the historical trajectory
3: of that. Yeah, I think the pandemic certainly had a very big role in lifting the importance of supply chain. And we're seeing that uh, not going away at all because of other macro uh, economic factors or geopolitical factors that we're facing. More and more executives, like I mentioned, CEOs and the board are realizing supply chain is really what they call the artery of the retail business. Uh, It's really the center of everything that makes retail, retail.
1: It it seems like that's a good place to transition into our next question too, where, you know, the focus of this conversation today is getting down to, you know, beyond the organizational challenges, what are the things that are on the tops of mind for all of the supply chain executives right now? I'd love for you to kind of give us your sense. Maybe we'll start with two or three things that you can think of. Um, what's Paula, let's kind of go first to you. What what's top of mind? What are you hearing from the
2: retailers and executives that you're working with? Well, let's start with people. Let's start with staffing. Oh, okay. <laughs> so, um, cause there's lots that we could hit on in this one, but you did give sure. us the time. So let's talk about staffing labor shortages are real. It is definitely having an impact on that supply chain disruption that we're hearing and seeing about and that retailers are, are experiencing. It goes from everything from port delays, slowing delivery of merchandising, increased waiting times for unloading, which ultimately then re- results in you know, back orders for goods and services actually getting to the retailer. And the pain point behind that is, it goes beyond just container shortages. It's do you have the resources, the physical, the people to actually move those goods through? Right. And that's top of mind. And then if you think, take it one step further beyond even just your warehouse and distribution centers, let's say you get it there, there's still that need to move it efficiently, either directly to the consumer or to their retail stores. And that also is a struggle. So, you know, we continue to hear this from all of our retailers across the board that it's not just, you know, it's warehouse workers, it's drivers, and there's other critical roles in the supply chain that literally are in short supply. I mean, it's just a fact. So, you know, when you think about that from that perspective and labor shortages weave throughout the supply chain, you know, working with many retailers across the US like Microsoft does and globally, my fa- my focus is US, so globally, you know, we continue to hear these stories and reality is Microsoft's not immune to it either. We're a retailer as well. Mm -hmm. We manufacture and so Mm -hmm. this is a continued theme. And so how do you as a retailer have the right technology, have the right infrastructure to support the talent that you've hired and acquire. So there's a recruit and retention play that falls into this. And as long as there's continues to be a shortage it's going to have disruption for the consumer in order for them to get the products they need.
1: Yeah, and Shannon, I'd love for you to hear your thoughts on that too. I mean, how have you seen executives kind of working with someone like Blue Yonder to kind of make sure that you have those tools in place that you, um, you know, that the staff has the has access to the resources that they need when they're especially in limited supply, like Paula's talking about. Yeah, It's about.
0: also a productivity question right. too, right? right. Yeah, day, exactly. Just
3: yeah. just to piggyback on what Paula said, uh, staffing is certainly a big area of concern in retail today not only just the shortage of labor, but also the wage increases and the skill gap and also the turnover. In retail, we often talk a lot about consumer experience, but I think employee experience is just as important. Mm -hmm. And when we say staffing in supply chain, it's not just the warehouse staff or the driver, but also store employees. Stores are increasingly becoming mini warehouse and mini fulfillment centers. And the store employees have so much to do today than they're used to, and the different kinds of tasks that they have to fulfill. Uh, and, like you mentioned, we do a lot in working with retailers on uh, making sure that the employees have the right tools and get the right training and also uh, get the right shift. You know, one of the biggest challenges in retail staffing is to manage their schedules, and giving employees that flexibility. To juggle what they need to do with their personal lives, and also to be able to fulfill what the retailers need when they need them to come in for different ships.
0: Yeah, it's re- it's really interesting to me because that's why I love doing this show and too is like it's it brings an element of supply chain that I hadn't thought about, which right. is why we titled this this discussion what we did, which is you know everyone talks about this the. the the staffing shortages on the store side cuz those right. are the signs we see in the window right exactly but there's this unseen issue here at play across the entire landscape of uh-huh. staffing which goes into the direct being directly accountable in some ways for the shortage of product that we're seeing exactly which is a whole element that you know I'd never really grasped either until you know you kind of know it's there but right. you didn't really i never put one you know two and two together on that
1: yeah well i mean especially like Paula's talking about i mean even at the the container level like if you just have containers they're in the spot <laughs> but if nobody's there <laughs> to unload them like that still provides uh some issues into getting products in the hands of consumers right. um let, let's go to a ne- a, another another concern um shannon what what is what
3: is top of mind in your opinion um, I would say we hear a lot about forecasting, especially okay. as it relates to inventory. Uh, but I would say it's not so much about forecasting okay. as inability to <laughs> forecast in this chaotic environment that we're in, oh. uh, given many of the macro factors that we've seen. And I doubt we'll see any less disruption in the coming months or quarters. So I would say uh, instead of trying to predict or forecast what's going to happen, uh, we advise supply chain executives to focus on improving their overall business and technology capability mm-hmm. so that they can handle all of the variables that will be coming their way and also the, all the changes that they come. Uh, Shannon, that, what is it, sorry, yeah.
0: sorry, Shannon, what does that mean, though? Like, Tell me what that means Like, when you say that's what you advise them to do. Like, what, what, yeah, what, is, so, what are some of the steps they should take in that regard?
3: So historically, I think forecasts, you know, it, as it relates to merchandising or inventory, is looking at historical data, especially based on transactional data and and some of the factors. And then you work with suppliers and you work with your own company and the network. You try to predict and you try to come up with the best estimate of what's going to happen in the future. Because of all of the different atypical uh, things that we've seen in the last several years, I think that model proved to be very inadequate to say the least, right? There are just so many things happening completely out of ordinary. What we're saying is to really look at the entire model to see if there are other ways, rather than just using historical predictive type of modeling to use AI and machine learning. That's what we're seeing more more companies are embracing from a technology software perspective. And machine learning has the ability to take hundreds, if not thousands of different factors and put them into sophisticated algorithm to come up with the best you know, uh, future, so to speak. And, and it also allows companies to adjust the so-called forecast uh, as things progress within the season or within the quarter, et cetera.
0: Got it. So that's interesting. And I want to talk more about AI in a, in a little bit here as we get towards the end of the discussion. But that's curious. So, yeah. So, so you're basically saying like the past is not a good indicator of the future, especially in this sure. environment. Yes. And nor is it easy to tell where the future is going in this environment. And so you got to bring in elements like AI to help you with that. I was curious, too, though, because what the one kind of subcontext I picked up to the way you said that also is that it sounds like you're also recommending. And I don't want to put words in your mouth. So correct me if I'm wrong here. But this is what I was taking from it as well. Um, is that you're also recommending that that companies, retail companies, particularly focus on improving their overall processes related to supply chain to make yes. the flow of goods that they do have that much more efficient to then kind of counteract any forecasting issues or things that are just quite honestly that difficult to do. Is that right yeah. as
3: well? Yeah, so two points, you, and you're right. Uh, two points there. One is to really resist the urge to have what I call knee-jerk reactions, right? We think, oh, people are all staying at home, so... They're going to want loads of electronics and yoga pants. Let's load up on those. But right. then before you know, by the time you get those in your stores or in the warehouse, things have changed and people are out. They want to travel and they want to be out. So, you know, I think those kind of decisions prove to be Uh, sometimes more harmful or, you know, more unproductive to the business, uh, which is why we're saying to focus on the fundamentals of the processing. And Mm -hmm. and the other thing is the integration is to make sure all the different bits and pieces within the retail supply chain or retail um, operating model in general work together. I think traditionally there's this sense of silo merchants do their thing Supply chain executives do their thing to optimize transportation and warehouse management. Operational executives focus on the stores. What we're saying is everyone has to work together, look at the same big set of data, and be able to work together so that they can uh, retailers can deal with all of these unpredictable factors. Right,
1: Paula, I'd love to hear your thoughts on that too, because i <laughs> as we as we did in your introduction, as we mentioned, like. You've, you've been in all across all of those channels, um, it, within the, the teams at major mm-hmm. retailers and now at Microsoft, how are you seeing this take shape?
2: Yeah. You know, playing off of what Shannon said. And I think back to my years when I was sitting in the retailer's seat, doing those roles, there was a lot of forecasting that looked backwards mm-hmm. and you know what, uh, as a merchant thought I was pretty good at it. Would have loved to have had all the signals that Shannon is talking about and the capabilities and, and the integration of the teams, not the silos. You know, but that's the journey that retail has kind of been on and breaking down those silos and figuring out the right integrations to really deliver that ultimate seamless flow. And and the reality is inventory is where your retail business begins. I never hit a sales plan without inventory. Right, can't happen. So from that perspective, and you think about it, What consumers want and how they want to get their product has become much more complex. And a lot has really fallen to the supply chain operations to figure out how to move that through. With these changing buying habits and demand being really volatile and unpredictable, exactly the capabilities that Shannon mentioned are really critical for retailers to to win in their space. You know, it's getting retailers kind of stuck or getting them unstuck of trying to find the balance between stockouts hurting revenue and overstock tying up capital. You know, if you don't have open to buy, you can't go and chase that inventory that you need. And and so having a much better ability to forecast gives you that flexibility. This past summer, Prime Days is a great example. You know, um, Mm. there were many retailers that dove into this and, and chose it as an opportunity to drive top line revenue. But the reality was for many of us that have been watching What was on mark or what was on markdown it was also an opportunity to move inventory out so that you could gear up and be ready for holiday and that's not ideally what a retailer wants to do they want to be able to forecast accurately so it becomes much better of a play around what inventories they have and from a profitability So if you think back to that experience, there is a large retailer, I'll mention Target just because we're all familiar with them. Mm -hmm. They just had recent earnings calls and they were in a little bit of a hot seat regarding profitability because they deliberately made a choice to respond to that inventory position that they had. And I thought there was a really strong response that came from their CFO who basically said as a retailer, they had to move swiftly. Mm -hmm. They cleared the clutter, they geared up for the holidays And they really took the pain of that inventory markdown early in order to become what I would say much more profitable coming for holiday. That's the outlook they're painting. Mm -hmm. But it all comes back to forecasting. And And in defense of the retailers, it's been a very challenging last couple of years trying to predict consumer behavior. But with insights tools, all of the signals that Shannon refers to, those things are really critical and really becoming best in class at being able to do that. Um, so I think that this is the time where you're going to continue to hear retailers invest. We hear it repeatedly, they're investing in supply chain. It's to do exactly that to get better at their inventory forecasting.
0: Yeah. It's interesting. You know, and having been in retail for 20 years ourselves, you know, the one thing that I think is always top of mind of most supply chain executives is forecasting, but I want to push you guys a little bit harder on this one and Shannon, I want to go back to you on it too. And, and then Paula add color as well. Like you guys mentioned something that I think is really important. You said like, it's about breaking down the silos. And so for instance, like one of the things that comes to mind for me is you've got disparate order management systems that aren't talking to the allocation systems, which allocation systems are driven you know by what the store level needs. and now the store is doing all kinds of things for pickup in store, ship from store. So all those aren't factored into the order management necessary forecasting capabilities that are going to be needed. So I'm curious, like that's just one example. But when you say break down the silos, for those retail executives that are listening and want to learn from this, where would you recommend they start? Like, where, if you're saying like I want to break down this silo today, these are the two I want to bridge together. Where would that be in your minds as experts?
3: So I'll say, uh, first thing is to consider is to think of a platform approach. Uh, okay. Be able to get a platform. It doesn't have to be, you know, from what particular vendor or company. Just to be able to utilize a common data set and be able to have the ability to integrate this, these different pieces of the software stack, uh, and and obviously preferably in the cloud environment. Mm-hmm. And, and this is why Blue Younger is building out our own SaaS platform, and it sits on top of Microsoft Azure uh, Cloud, that what it has is it has a common workflow, mm-hmm. the shared data set, and then also with the AI machine learning engines that we talked about. Mm-hmm. And I think that sets the foundation to be able to uh, allow a retailer to integrate many of the different uh, parts of the business that we're talking about.
0: Got it. So then they can, they can basically focus on where they think those opportunities are the greatest Correct. by having the platform underneath them. Okay. Yeah. Paula, what would you add to that?
2: Uh, completely agree. And then I'm going to take it one step more into it. So organizationally. What are the changes that a retailer is prepared to make in order to break down those silos? So there's accountabilities that need to be shared. Uh, there needs to be common goal setting. And so when you have a platform, that platform can help structurally support exactly what is talking to, but organizationally, your people and your leaders need to respond as such. And I think that's equally important. And I think that's something that then as an organization, a retailer invests, in technology and tools, are they also investing in that process redesign and really distributing the accountability so they get the most out of the investment that they just made? I think those two have to go hand in hand, or there may there will be shortfalls in what they were trying to accomplish.
1: Well, Paula, I want to get to the last. Let's let's wrap it up with one <laughs> one more thing that's keeping our supply chain executives and retailers listening to this um, up at night. What else are you seeing? What's what's kind of the the last trend you you'd talk about? Yeah,
2: Let, let's touch on inventory accuracy.
1: Yes, yes,
0: yes. yes. I was hoping products. one of you would say that. I know. Yes, but I mean, that's kind of the start it of earlier. it all. Really? Yeah, you
1: teased yeah. it earlier. I'm glad. I want to hear more about this. Yeah. So what are you seeing?
2: Inventory accuracy is so foundational in order for the consumer to truly, and I, I'm starting with consumer because the retailer needs to know where their inventory is. They need that visibility. And in the past, they used to think about their inventory in silos. I'm going to talk about what's their inventory for e-commerce orders, right. or what's inventory for in-store, or now I have to think through this uh, micro-fulfillment site or a dark store. It needs to be holistic across their entire organization-like platform. It can't just be in silos because the consumer loses Right. Because I want access to products. So I'm going to, I'm going to shift it into some storytelling of my own, some recent experiences. I just moved two kids back to college in the last 48 hours. So a little tired, but more importantly, I relied so much on my mobile phone, ordering stuff like crazy, realizing we forgot this. Oh, and my son was even in a different state. So I'm ordering things for him. The amount of emails that I got back on order was either picked up at the store or delivered to their home successfully. Pretty good pretty good yeah flawless so many items i get back the note that said sorry out of stock we apologize now in defense of the retailer and that inventory accuracy it's hard we're in an event because how do they manage their inventory fluidly so that i'm the consumer who chooses to buy online do i get first get dibs on that product versus the consumer who came to the retail store and made that commitment I think that's another push we're gonna see from a technology standpoint And how do they make sure that that inventory accuracy relates to inventory transparency for the consumer and that I'm gonna get my product. You know, And so with Microsoft, we've got a platform with the intelligent order management that is about solving those types of problems. We know that retailers need to be able to figure out and see where their inventory is across those channels. And I think that's super important because at the end of the day, then the consumer wins, they get their product. Now, let's say, The other piece I'll tie back to that is the consumer, the retailers that did the best job was where I went back to each time from a loyalty play. So that's super important too. It's a, it's the ability to keep that consumer coming back. And that's why inventory accuracy is so important. Paula, I want to know like of if you don't have to name any
1: retailers, but
2: like what typically
1: does happen in that scenario? Is there one like (laughs) that you see happening more over the, the other
2: or like what happens? So I would say that um, in that scenario, I think I'm pretty forgiving because I've been a retail. I've been right, 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 right. So I know why it happened. And so I think I stay less frustrated. But I do think that we're going to start to see things about like, how does the retailer respond when they've got multiple stores in in a very close cluster and do things like that? Um, and because it's so like, I'd say the worst thing and what is actually getting better is the proactive communication. Don't let me drive to the store. Right. And I'm disappointed. And I feel like the retailers have really advanced their capabilities on this piece of it. That email comes pretty quick before you actually head to the store. So that part's good. Um, I would say what's been for me where it becomes the most disappointing is there's a tone in the communication that has to be there. Like truly an empathetic tone keeps me much more engaged. Than the sorry, out of luck. You know, that's yeah. not play well today. Yeah, yes, right. Yeah, right? Yeah.
0: Yeah. yeah. And, <laughs> and I would committed. say
2: that's a great opportunity for retailers to learn. They really, truly get to see. They should be studying when they yeah. have these smaller events. to find out like how accurate were they and gear up for the bigger ones so they don't have those misses come holiday
1: well that's a great oh i was going to say that's a great example too of how you have to break down the silos in between too like the supply chain teams the merchandising teams the marketing teams have to be working together because (laughs) the messaging has to be so quick and so different based on the the circumstances yeah absolutely Uh, Shannon, what would you add to this? What are what are your experiences with uh, with inventory accuracy as kind of a theme?
3: So I'll be I'll be brief here, and I think inventory accuracy is not the cause of the problem that Paula described, but really is a symptom of a lot of areas like merchandising planning, assortment management, allocation, demand forecasting, replenishment, etc. Like we talked about, it just goes back to the point that supply chain issues is really not a standalone problem it's, it's related to all the other functions within retail.
0: Yeah. It's interesting. The interesting point to me though, is like, you know, like I was joking before, like I always hear read uh, supply chain executives, retail executives in general, always talking about forecasting, but, you know, to me, you're not going to get good forecasting if you don't have good inventory accuracy. Right. Like, you know, uh-huh. it's just going to exacerbate the problem. And and yet you never hear that the first thing out of everyone's mouth. Mm-hmm. I think mm-hmm. you're starting to finally see that move. You know, you had Walmart's push towards RFID earlier this year, right. which I think is a good harbinger, hopefully, of that sea change that I'm hoping is going to come. But, um, but Shannon, you know, to get back to that, like, I'm curious. You mentioned AI before. And from the chair atop which you sit, I'd love to know... You know, from a supply chain perspective, where are you seeing AI in terms of where the industry is most interested in adopting it to improve the supply chain? Is it forecasting? What are all the layers where you're seeing it actually applied versus just talking about ethereally at this point?
3: Yeah, we're seeing opportunities to apply AI in all of those areas. Uh, Back to our point about the integration and the platform and having that common data set and the, the workflow. I think that's really where the true value of AI come from. So I'll give you an example. Okay. Our own omni-channel fulfillment software uses AI to figure out the most optimal location, time window, and methods to get the online orders to customers' hands, like the scenario that Paula was talking about. While doing that, we also incorporate inventory visibility data and a whole host of other factors to calculate what's the best way to fulfill that order. That not only satisfies the customer, but also gives the retailer the highest efficiency and lowest cost. The and AI confidence, engine, too, I would imagine, right? Yeah. So like and the AI, that
0: it's there, right?
3: Exactly. And the AI engine can leverage data from store, even from store labor, from the workforce management mm, software mm-hmm, to see cool. which store cool. may have a staffing shortage that day so we can avoid routing orders to that store. Last mm. but not least we feed that order and fulfillment data back to the merchandising system so they can include that in the next round of their forecasts.
0: Which goes back to your platform approach of why this is so integral to breaking down these silos and figuring out the answers to this ultimately. Yeah,
3: Exactly.
1: Well, what what have we left off? Is there anything? You came up with three, I think, very, very fascinating uh, things that are kind of staying top of mind. What do we forget? Uh, Shannon, anything you'd add?
3: Um, I would just say there are lots of challenges in supply chain nowadays. They can Mm -hmm. seem pretty bleak. However, uh, there are many ways to turn these disruptions into opportunities Mm -hmm. and really leapfrog the old way of managing supply chain and get to a data-driven and AI-assisted model uh, that I think would help retailers work much better.
2: What about you, Paula? Okay. First one for me is, and we didn't touch on this yet, is how do we... Help retailers from a returns perspective, going into mm-hmm. holiday. <laughs> you got you got fifth quarter coming January. All those returns coming back. What are the things that can be leveraged from a technology standpoint? You know that Chana was talking about that can help the consumer when they make that purchase decision have it stick. And some of it comes right down to. Um, and there's two choices I see at up regularly when I return items no longer needed or I found it somewhere else. And that means faster. Okay. So I think that returns also is something that is top of mind for supply chain, you know, executives. And then the one other one I'll touch on, which continues to come more and more. And this is cargo theft. Okay. What's the capability within supply chains to make sure that there is no deviation when shipments leave? Because if right. there is that, and there are things that can be done in that particular space as well to make sure that there isn't deviation so that when you have that shipment, that it actually gets to your facilities and that way you've got product for on shelf. But um, just a couple that were top of mind in addition. Uh, the other ones were definitely clearly a constant theme in conversations. Um, but you probably, if you ask this question out to supply chain executives, they would add 20 more. <laughs> right.
0: Right. But I'm curious, Paul, that's interesting that you brought that up too, because one of the things we've been hearing a lot about is just the rise of online return fraud as well. Like, and I got to imagine that impacts the supply chain too, especially around inventory accuracy and all those types of issues we said forecasting with that happening more and more. Are you seeing that as well? Is that an, another thing that you'd add into the equation that people are concerned about? I mean, it sounds like, sounds like probably yes, given that trucks might be missing, right. but like, you know, <laughs> even at the individual consumer level, yeah. is that starting to impact people to a great degree? Are you hearing that in the boardrooms?
2: Especially Yes. And especially when you get into your ability to buy online and when you see large quantities purchased Mm -hmm. and then that product is purchased in such a way that it either creates, you've got to have the right fraud tools to prevent it up front. But then also that when that product comes back, so you've got that revenue loss, if it does come back or it's brought in from a return perspective, those are all things that hit the profitability line. And so you want to have the detectors up front to make sure that you can prevent that online fraud for purchases, but then what are your processes when it comes back? And then what does the supply chain organization have to do to actually address that return product in it? So yeah, it's definitely top of mind because it it goes right to that bottom line for that retailer. And many are already working, especially when you get into certain categories like electronics and others where that margin is already slimmer. Yeah, definitely a concern.
0: Right. Awesome. Awesome. Well, that was great. And yeah, I love that conversation today. Good pace to the flow. You guys did. That was a wonderful discussion. Um, really enjoyed sitting down with both of you guys today. Um, what I'm curious, we've got a lot of people watching people probably, uh, you know, asking questions as we're going, hopefully for those watching on LinkedIn. And, uh, you know, if people want to get in touch with you, learn more about what it is that each of you do at your companies, how you might be able to help them. What's the best way for them to do that? Shannon, let's start with you.
3: Yeah, the easiest way to find me is right here on LinkedIn. Just search for Shannon-LeBron. I should be the only one.
2: (laughs) (laughs) How about you, Paula? Yeah, I think that's a great uh, path as well. So reach out to me on LinkedIn. and It's Paula Beckel, um, Microsoft, and I'm happy to have a conversation. Excellent. Well, that wraps us up. Thanks to
1: Microsoft's Paul Beckel and to Yonder's Shannon Wu LeBron for sitting down with us today. Thanks to all of you who joined us and for asking your questions here on LinkedIn Live. And as always, half of all of us at OmniTalk. be careful out there.